to live in sin and continue in sin and reject the convicting spirit of God, you're living in dangerous territory. John picks up that thought. Look over in the book of 1 John, chapter number 5, the first epistle of John. And chapter number 5. He said, sin can get so serious in our life. And we can ignore the chastening of God. And you know, God chastens in a lot of ways. He can rebuke. He can give some penalties in life to get our attention. And if we fail to heed the working of the Spirit of God in our life, John says in chapter 5 and verse 16, If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. What did we read before? If we, if we follow uh, the leading of the Spirit of God and the chastening of God, we'll live. John says there is a sin that can be a sin unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that we shall pray for it. All unrighteousness, verse 17, all unrighteousness is what? 1 John 5, verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin unto death. That makes me tremble on the inside. It's like looking into the pit, into the awful judgment of God. A Christian can sin and sin to the point where God says, you're not going to repent, you're a reproach to my name, I'm just going to take you on to heaven. A sin unto death. Death of the body Moses, that great leader of Israel, in rebellion to the command of God, 
smote that rock. And God says, you're going to die. You're not going to go into the land. Scary thought. In the Old Testament, we read of covetous disobedience that led to the sin unto death. God brought the children to the Jordan River. And you know the story. Crossing the river, there was a city called Jericho. Remember that city? As they entered into the land, God gave a great victory at Jericho, did he not? He said, march around this city one time every day. Don't say a word, just march around the city. And do that for seven days. And on the seventh day, march around it seven times and then blow the trumpets. And God gave a great victory. The walls came down. But God said, when I give you the victory, you take everything they have, you pile it into the middle of the city, and you burn everything that they have with fire. It's an offering unto the Lord. Don't take any of it from yourself. It all belongs to God. But there was one guy. Remember his name? You remember the name Achan? Achan took some silver and took some gold and took some very costly Babylonian garments for himself, hid them away, didn't put it in the pile to be burned as an offering to God. He took it for himself, covetous disobedience, taking what belonged to God for himself. And all of a sudden, the judgment of God begins to fall on the children of Israel. And God revealed it to Moses and said, Hey, there's a guy that has taken that which belongs to me and the judgment of God is going to be on the children of Israel unless you do something about it. Look at Joshua chapter number 7 and verse number 25. And Joshua said, what, what hast thou troubled? Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day, speaking to Achan. And all Israel stoned him and burned them with fire. Stoned Achan and all of his family and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised up over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from his fierceness of his anger. Wherefore the name of the place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. The sin unto death. That covetous disobedience. And that's not only in the Old Testament. 
But in the New Testament, you read in Acts chapter number 5 about Ananias and Sapphira. A certain man, verse number 1, named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And you remember this was at a point in time when people were selling their properties because of the persecution of Rome on the church, they were basically ostracized from all society, and they were struggling uh, in every way, even for food and for a job and all of that. They were ostracized, and so Christians were selling what they had and sharing it with those who were suffering and they were bringing it in and laying at the feet of the apostles uh, that which they sold their properties for so that everyone could be taken care of. And Ananias and Sapphira uh, sold a possession. But they kept back part of the price, verse 2 says, his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter said unto Ananias, Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? You see, you can't hide what, what's in your heart from God. You may put on a front uh, before the church and the preacher, but you can't lie to God. God knows. The one who really matters knows what's going on. Amen? Amen. Said, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. While it remained, Peter said, while it remained, uh, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And listen, verse number 5. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came upon all them that heard these things. Covetous disobedience. Pretending to do something that you promised God you would do, making a show in front of others, but the truth is you're not doing what you said you would do and you're holding back that which belongs to God. And he dropped dead right in the church. you make your faith promise commitment last year? It's a promise not to the church. Wasn't a promise to the missionaries. It's between you and God.
Are you holding out? Or have you done what you promised God you would do? It's a dangerous thing, folk, to lie to God. Hello. It's a dangerous thing to lie to God. The tithe belongs to the Lord. But if you take that tithe and buy your car, buy a house, or buy whatever it is you're going to spend your money on instead of giving God his portion that belongs to him, and yet you're acting like you're, you're okay, you're, you're doing your part, and you're lying to yourself and you're lying to God. It's a dangerous thing. Not only is there covetous disobedience, there's ceremonial disobedience in the Old Testament. See, it's always been this way with God. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We used to sing a little chorus when I was growing up. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. He never changes. What it was in the Old Testament is what it is in the New Testament. And what it was in the Old Testament and New Testament is true today because God never changes. Ceremonial disobedience. In the Old Testament, Aaron had a couple of sons by the name of Nadab and Abihu. You ever heard those names? They were Levites. They were priests before God. And the Bible talks about how they took and they put fire in their censers and then they put, uh, they put incense in those censers and they offered strange fire unto God. And verse 2 of chapter 10 of Leviticus says, And there went out a fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. You say, well, preacher, that's the Old Testament. Well, look at the New Testament. Turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. We're talking about the chastening of God now. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 28, but let a man examine himself, speaking of the Lord's Supper now, let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily in an unworthy manner eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. They've died the sin unto death. Sometimes, because of sin, a Christian can die prematurely under the chastening hand of God. 
Does that make you tremble inside? Then there's the death of opportunity. The death of opportunity. Let me give you an example in the Old Testament. The children of Israel, by might and by power, were delivered out of Egypt and out of bondage. And they came to a place called Kadesh Barnea, ready to cross over Jordan into the promised land. God had miraculously delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. And they come right to the Jordan River to cross over. Moses spent, sent those 12 spies over to spy out the land. Remember that story? And they came back carrying great clusters of grape and, and uh, all of those things. And the report was, man, what a land this is. It flows with milk and honey. Look at the fruit of the vine. Look at all of these things. And there in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, says the Amalekites dwelt in the land, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites that dwelled in the mountains, and the Canaanites which dwelled by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And there were ten of those spies that said, it's a marvelous land. It does flow with milk and honey, but we're not able to take it. The people are great. And we can't, we can't defeat that land. God, God's led us here, but he's not able to carry its in. But there were two. There were two. There's always that minority that says God's able. God can. God's in it. It's okay. God's got this thing. All we have to do is by faith go in. And Caleb still the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, and they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which, had, which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth, uh, eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that saw it, and the men, and uh, all the men, uh, I'm sorry here, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature, and we can't possess the land. And the Bible goes on to say that they wept. They went to their tents, and they wept. Then they decided, we'll just go back to Egypt. And you read there that God said it repented him. And he told Moses, I'm going to destroy this whole crowd. And I'm going to raise up a new people to my name from your loins. And Moses said, no, Lord, 
You're a God of mercy. And a God who can forgive the trespasses of his people. The Bible says it repented the Lord. And he said, okay. Okay. I am a God of mercy. And I am a God of grace. Aren't you glad of that? Here's the part I want you to see. I am a God of mercy and I am a God of grace. And I will bring you into the land. But those of you who have cried out in unbelief, your carcasses are going to fall in the wilderness. Anybody that's 20 years old and older is going to die in this wilderness. All except your children and Joshua and Caleb who said we can do it. They're going in. Opportunity lost. Y'all understand what I'm saying? We all have a great future with God. Amen? Amen. God has a plan for our life. Jeremiah said, I know the plan you have for me. God's got a plan for all of us. But we can miss that opportunity with sin and unbelief in our life. Opportunity. You read about Jacob and Esau. Jacob sold his birthright for a, pot, a, a cup of pottage, of meat, something to eat. And Hebrews says in, in chapter 12, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for we know how that afterward when he should have received an inheritance, the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Too late. Too late. He missed his opportunity. Not only the death of the body and the death of opportunity, but death of the soul. There is a sin unto death. The death of the soul. Listen carefully to me if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In Genesis chapter number 6, we have the story of Noah. 
and the flood. The Bible says that in verse 1, it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, daughters were born unto them, and the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And God said, I'm going to send a flood. Noah, I want you to build an ark. How long did it take Noah to build that ark? How many years? 100, 120 years in the building of the ark. And for 120 years, people saw that ark being constructed. And Moses was telling them, God has told me to build this ark because he's going to send a great flood up on the earth. And if you want to be saved from the flood, you got to get in the ark. God led the animals into the ark. And God led Noah and his family into the ark. And the Bible says, and then God did what? Shut the door. God shut the door. Noah didn't shut it. God shut the door. And the rains came. And the fountains of the earth, the Bible says, erupted. And there was a great flood. And there were those who were crying out for Moses to let them in. But it was too late. They had sinned away their day of grace. Moses couldn't open the door because God shut the door. wasn't the preacher. It wasn't the church. It was God that shut the door. We're talking about the death of the soul and all of those outside the ark drowned and they lost their life because of their sin of rejecting what God had commanded them to do. Get in the ark. And the day came when God shut the door. There's a line, I don't know where, and a place I cannot name, and a time that I don't know. but you can cross God's deadline and send away your day of grace and God can shut the door. My spirit shall not always strive with man, God says. 
You don't decide when you're going to get saved. It's the Spirit of God that convicts you. And if His Spirit fails to strive with your soul, there is no salvation available. The unpardonable sin is that sin of rejecting Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter number 12, turn over there if, if you will, Matthew chapter number 12 and verse number 31. This is a sin that will send you to hell. Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but, here's the exception, the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven them. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. You can sin against God. Yet somehow, when you look at the cross, because of the love of Jesus, you can be saved. Amen. You can even sin against Jesus, the name of Jesus. <coughs> and yet, under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God, His mercy and His grace, He still whispers, I love you. I'll forgive you. I'll save you. But if you sin against the Holy Spirit and you reject the call of God through the Holy Spirit of God, that convicting power that comes upon your life and you say no, you say no, Hebrews says it this way, for if we sin willfully, after that we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and a fiery indignation which shall devour the adversary. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much, how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God.
and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite to the spirit of grace. For we have, for we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, God says. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Hebrews says in chapter 12, For our God is a consuming fire. There is a sin unto death. Maybe the sin of the body. The loss of opportunity. or possibly the loss of your soul if you reject Jesus Christ. What we need is a new turning to God. What we need, Christian, is for all of us to realize that God takes sin seriously. need to realize there has to be an accounting for our sin. I love the old song that says, There was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. And my name was at the top and many things below. But I went unto the keeper and he settled it long ago. God settled our sin at the cross. But we have to come and receive him. Remember when Israel sinned and God sent the serpents to bite them and they were dying by the thousands? God said, Moses, make a brazen serpent and lift it up. And his command was, Who will, whosoever will look at that brazen serpent shall be spared. Just look and live. Just lift your eyes and look and live. Naaman came, a leper, condemned to die. And the prophet said, Naaman, just go down to the muddy Jordan River and wash and be clean. Just wash and be clean. At first, Naaman was angry and said, their rivers uh, there are rivers where I come from that are clear and pure and they're not muddy and ugly like the Jordan. Why can't I go wash there? But God has his promise and God has his way and God has his plan. And the old prophet said, go to the Jordan, wash and be clean. 
Not my way, God's way. God's way. Look and live. Wash and be clean. The Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved. Believe and be saved. Wash and be clean. Look and live. The door is open. The Spirit of God is speaking. God has arms outstretched. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Come, let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. The door is open. The invitation is there. Just come, wash and be clean. Look and live. Believe and be saved. But there's coming a day when God will shut the door. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Your sins have been paid for at the cross. And there's still room at the cross for you to come. Christian, listen to me. Don't trifle with sin. God convicts your heart. Confess it. He'll forgive it. He'll cleanse you. But if you persist in your sin, you've got the answer to God. He'll chasten you to get your attention. That chastening can be a rebuke, That chastening can affect your body, your finances, your home, your family, or it could even affect your life. Sinner man, sinner woman, listen to me. God's grace is sufficient to save you. And if you sense your need of a Savior, don't reject Him today. Open your heart. Receive Him. Trust Him. He'll save you if you'll just accept Him. Believe and be saved. Christian, wash and be clean. Look and live. 
There's room at the cross if you need to come. Father, thank you for the promise of your book. Thank you for the love of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for us, paying for all of our sins. God, help us to recognize and realize that sin is a serious thing in the eyes of God. And as you walk among us this morning, Father, and your sweet spirit moves up and down these aisles and in and out among these chairs, you look at all of our hearts, those that need to come and find a place of confession and repentance, draw them this morning. Those that need a Savior, draw them this morning. Those that need a church home, you've been dealing with them about church membership, draw them this morning, I pray. And help us not reject the wooing of the Spirit of God in our soul, but respond, here I am, here I come. This is the day this is the day I raise that white flag of surrender. Here I am, and here I come. Just like I am, here I am. If that's the need of your life, God's spoken to your heart this morning. There's some decisions you need to make, whether it's salvation or whether it's just getting right with God in some area of your life. You'd put up your hand and say, Preacher, God spoke to my heart this morning. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. God spoke to my heart this morning, Preacher. I realize what God's trying to tell me. Pray for me this morning. You'd lift your hand. God bless you. God bless you and you and you and you. God bless you. God bless you. Would you stand quietly with your heads bowed and eyes closed? Brother Larry is going to begin to sing, Just as I am without one plea, that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. If God spoke to your heart this morning, don't reject the wooing of the Spirit of God. Step out and come. Find a place at this altar today. Would you do that right now as Brother Larry begins to sing? <laughs>